And keep in mind that the search engines, they're not the ones doing business with you, right? So the search engines, you know, they're not converting, they're ranking the content, but it's really the audience that's converting. And there's a million ways to reach them. Even if the content isn't maybe ranking first on the search engines, you can promote it in other ways. Also, you're listening to the Marketing Millennials Podcast. I'm Emily Ferguson. And I'm Daniel Murray. Get ready, because we're taking you on a journey with today's marketing leaders and tomorrow's top stars. Let's go! No BS, just a fun, unfiltered industry conversation with the game changers behind some of the coolest companies from around the globe. The one request we tell our guests... Stories or didn't happen. A big welcome to our marketing fan. Prepare to turn the f- up. Hey. Hey, welcome to the show. So glad to have you. Hey, how are you? <laughs> I'm awesome. It's early on Monday and this is for me at least and I'm excited to get going. I wanted to start. How did you get into marketing? What is your was your journey like? It has been um a very interesting journey. My dad uh was a radio DJ. Uh he was on the radio throughout my whole childhood. And I saw him do things like live events and um, introduce bands and write copy and do, he was like the voice of a theme park and got invited to VIP events. And, you know, that really kind of put marketing in my mind. So when I went to college though, at first I went and majored in education and then theater <laughs> and then communications, kind of knowing I would do something with marketing. My favorite class ended up being this class where my grade was based on producing three commercials and it was so much fun. And I went to college quite a few years ago and digital marketing specifically wasn't offered then. It wasn't even a thing. It wasn't really a career path at that point. So when after I graduated, I was looking for a job in marketing and I was looking in the paper of all places. And I answered an ad for a marketing specialist in the paper. And so when I went and I interviewed the hiring manager, who's actually still one of my closest friends to this day, detailed to me what SEO and PPC was and how it was up and coming. And I was hooked. And the company she was working with that I, that I ended up being hired for was making that transition from print to digital. So it was a really interesting time in digital marketing in general. And then through that, I discovered, you know, my love of analytics and consumer behavior. You combine that with, you know, how much I love to educate, how much I love people and how much I love talking. And that is where we are today. <laughs> That's so awesome. That's a cool journey, especially like the old school at- answering an ad in the paper. That's, yes. that's such a marketing I got into thing. digital marketing. Yeah. I got into digital marketing through the paper. <laughs> I'm super interested in how, like when you got into SEO, like what it was like, and then like, how mm-hmm. has it evolved over the years? Like, cause that's an, I don't know what it was like, like when you started <laughs> and then how it was, cause I, I never really been big utilizing SEO because that's not my main Mm -hmm. role. So I'm interested in how it's changed over the years. It's evolved a lot. It has and it hasn't. It's interesting because 
a lot of the same best practices, writing good content, doing um, writing for your audience, understanding how people are searching. All of that is still so core to SEO. And it was important back then. Things that have changed are, I don't get asked very I don't get asked at all anymore. Why do I even need a website? <laughs> My audience isn't looking for us online. And I don't get that question anymore, but I would back in those days. And a lot of a lot of my job was educating on the importance of what this process is and how it benefits you. And I worked with very niche businesses in the beginning too. And so we could have conversations about how they're industry wasn't so much online. It wasn't so saturated like it is now. So there was a lot less saturation back then too. Keyword meta tags were a thing when I first started and you could put in a competitor's name in your keyword tag and you could rank alongside them. And that was a thing. You can't do that anymore. It was different, but I think simply because it wasn't as saturated um, as it is now. And, but the struggles were still real. You still had to write copy and you still had to do research and you still backlinks weren't as big of a thing in, in the very beginning. This is back in 2006. That's when I started uh, my SEO career. You know, all of that's evolved because Google has evolved, Bing has evolved and, and things like that. So yeah, it's been an evolution, but it's always, it's always been an interesting and it's never easy. <laughs> I, I love hearing that because one of the whole skills that like I always say like SEOs and I actually like talked to Eric Sue about this a little bit mm-hmm. is that being an SEO marketer teaches you like the most patience and like because it <laughs> takes so much time to like like SEO to be good so mm-hmm. I want to like why should companies start investing in SEO at the, at the from day one and like when they know it could take 12 months to two years to even like see any effects of this. Yeah. Yeah. This is where I get a little sassy <laughs> in my answer, because I think in this day and age in, in this digital world that we live in, honestly, if a business, if you like, could you make a strong case why you should not invest in SEO? Because if you can do that, if you can convince me that SEO isn't right for you, then okay, SEO isn't right for you. But if you justify it with excuses like around budget, you're assuming failure, you're uh, then you're wrong, you know, oh, and you should try it anyway. And SEO just isn't, it's not a marketing tactic anymore. It really is like a succeed or fail in business tactic at this point. So it's up to you which path you want to choose <laughs> in that regard. <laughs> That's very true because like, if you're not going to be found online, someone else is going to be found online and it's probably going to be your competitor. So every business is online. Everyone starts their consumer journey online. 95% of that starts with a search. So again, like I, every, and I've worked with very niche businesses throughout my career. And I've worked with, I've worked from everything from farm equipment dealerships to dentists from very specific to daily needs And every single one of those industries is online and those searches start online. So your audience is there. And if like you just said, like if you're not present, your competitor is present and then you're losing that opportunity. But I haven't worked with every single business in the world. So if you can make the case why SEO doesn't apply to you, then I'd love to hear it. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. I want to start like if, if I came to you today and said, hi, 
like how do i even get started like in seo like where should i start with the strategy like what are your first like couple tips on like how to get started in seo so this is kind of a non-standard answer to this question but it's ensuring the first place to start is ensuring that you have full buy-in to what seo actually is and how it's going to benefit your business because that sets up everything for the future. If that person doesn't fully understand the concept of SEO, like they don't have to understand how to do SEO. That can be your job or my job. But if they don't understand the concepts of it, they don't understand my explanation of what SEO is, they need to find and talk to other people about it until they really can fully have it sink in, its impact on your website, its impact on your business, and the ROI and the future benefit of it. If you're just doing it because your competitor's doing it, if you're just doing it because it's a buzzword you can't get away from, you, the business and you, the marketer are going to struggle with budgetary conversations, impatience, misconceptions, and all of that's going to hinder actual process. So only start SEO when everyone involved is truly invested and fully understands what it means for the business and the brand. And then from there, you can move into where I would start the strategy, which is understanding your the landscape, your competitive landscape of what who and what you're actually competing against because it's different from your brick and mortar and that's different from your paid side and understanding your audience, getting to know them on a personal level. So those are the two action items beyond conceptualizing the future and benefit of SEO as a marketing strategy. You know what's so funny about the answer is like that's like the same argument people have with like starting brand, right? Like <laughs> starting about brand building. It's like mm-hmm. people just say, like, oh, because it's a buttwars, I should build brand. Like, but if you don't understand why you're building a, a brand and investing in brand long term, like it's the same thing as kind of like SEO. And that's why that's why I think SEO is just like an important skill for like SEO marketers understand like long-term marketing game because like marketing is long-term to me. It's like, they are like, obviously like revenue is the most important thing. Like you can't keep the lights on without it and you have to mm-hmm. figure out ways to do it. But they're like, at some point, like two to three years, like SEO is going to pay dividends like mm-hmm. more than anything. So like, like you just investing today is for the long term is such like a great strategy so i like how you i just got that comparison when you you started talking about it so that's like that's awesome because people always say like why why should i invest in brand like revenue is like number one thing and it's funny because they shouldn't be two different conversations like revenue and brand should not be like they should be in the same sentence like Isn't my business my brand? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you hear that a lot when talking about brand. Yeah, that's starting the branding process. And my job before I worked here at SEMrush was with a branding and marketing agency. So I got to hear those conversations quite a lot and understand the concept of branding from a whole different perspective outside of SEO. And it's, it's that's also a fascinating process. But yeah, it's a long-term thing. And I think with all digital marketing, we're kind of in a catch-22 in that... So much of it is trackable in real time, and you kind of expect those results 
faster. I think that like it kind of sets into people's mind. Well, okay. I started my SEO campaign Monday. Why don't I have more leads on Friday? Like I can see the data coming in. I can even see there's more people coming to my website and that's great, but why isn't it converting or why isn't it, why aren't things happening faster? Because I can see the data in real time. So there's a little bit of a catch 22, I think in that. Yeah. I was listening to a podcast the other day and I want to see, get your opinion on this because like, they were talking about like how because people get into seo right now and like the main keywords are probably so competitive right now like the short keyword to rank for mm-hmm. like if i was going to rent for like dentist like or something like dentist is hard to <laughs> yeah. like rank for, for dentist but, near me yeah yeah dentist, <laughs> but like they were saying like in modern like seo and modern like content it's ranking for those like long tail keywords like the ones that mm-hmm. people are actually searching for with the intent to buy. So I'm, I wonder, yes. like, how do you balance, like, ranking for, like, a, a short tail, like, high volume keyword versus, like, a, a lower volume keyword, but high intent type of, like, long tail question that a, a, a prospect might ask for, like, Google? Exactly. Those are intent related keywords and question keywords are my kind of soapbox topic right now too, or one of them. I have a few (laughs) because what's interesting about optimizing for a long tail keyword or an intent. So if we think about our website, the purpose of our website, right, is to do business. And if you, even if you ranked number one organically for dentists near me, if people were more interested in virtual appointments or how to's maybe they're looking for videos because they're not like quite ready to go to a dentist where you have to take off your mask and things like that, then they're not going to convert in the way that you want. So optimizing for an intent driven audience is going to produce and guide them to what the actual goal you want them to accomplish. Just ranking number one for the keyword that has a trillion average searches per month is never going to work and it's going to be frustrating and disappointing and probably expensive and all of those not so great things in life. And it can sound great on paper. And in theory, I once asked, I once had a client bless their heart, ask me if he could rank number one for the word RV. And I was like, that's literally two letters. So no, (laughs) and they're, they can, but they can be a decent goal to like expand into in the future once you've established yourself with these longer tail intent-related keywords. The other great thing though is actually creating content that answers questions. And I love I love this about the Sunrush tool because it's really interesting looking at the top questions people are Googling around your short tail keyword. What are the questions people ask about dentists? And you can use that as content ideas. And that's how you can keep your content fresh. That's how you can be a resource. So, you know, people, you know, questions are probably like they're my absolute favorite right now, but being there for someone when they have a key question is way more important than just being there whenever someone is searching a question because they're not just Googling to kill time. Like they're stuck, they need something. And if you can be that source and that solution, then hello, right? Like that's way more impactful into their life than you just showing up in the map pack or you just showing up when you Google things like you are there when they need you and intent related keywords and question keywords communicate that and connect those dots between your audience and your content. So 
Yeah, that, it's that's a great tip from the podcast that you were listening to, and I love that they brought that up because it's still it's still a topic that we talk about short short keyword short seed keywords versus long tail, and it's to me it's more about intent and being a resource than how long necessarily the keyword phrase is. So. Yeah, you kind of stole my next question, but I wanted to go into <laughs> into the topic of like content and making sure like your content has SEO too with it because like you can create a great piece of content, but if it's not found, nobody nobody's gonna read it. But at the same time, like a lot of marketers get into the the problem of just stuffing keywords and the content is just like yeah. is not very readable. It's like not interesting. You could tell that they were just trying to rank for it. So how do you balance like writing great content and also making sure like the keywords match like this? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Always, always, always answer your audience's questions first. Also tell your story because no one has a story like yours. And that makes it an awesome experience on a website and even in social media. So if you write that kind of content first, you can always come back in and optimize. And I think just my personal experience, it's much easier to write from the heart and then go back and optimize as opposed to writing something and it, and trying to make it interesting, but you have to stick to this like certain set of keywords. So I like to write what I want and then come back in. So uh, yeah, start with something interesting and then go back and optimize them. And keep in mind that the search engines, they're not the ones doing business with you, right? So the search engines, you know, they're not converting, they're ranking the content, but it's really the audience that's converting. And there's a million ways to reach them. Even if the content isn't maybe ranking first on the search engines, you can promote it in other ways. Also, there's a lot more to SEOing or optimizing a piece of content outside of keywords, there's URL structure and there's layout um, using like headline tags or H tags and optimizing your images and, and your visual assets. Those are all important pieces. And all of that comes together to create a well-organized and optimized piece of content. It isn't just about keywords anymore. So keep you have to keep all of those aspects in mind um, as you optimize. So it's not just about keywords. <laughs> Yeah. Also, one thing I want to dive into is like people think about SEO and they only think about a lot of people don't even think about like doing it on their website. But what about like SEO, like doing SEO for like review sites and YouTube and the other places that you can rank for and that that probably could help rank faster than other things. Like, for example, like G2 crowd, for example, like some people mm -hmm. could search for like best SEO software and you might not rank that on your site, but you can rank there in G2. So what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, those absolutely. Yeah. So you're exactly right. Like SEO doesn't happen just on your website in a lot of cases. And this ties into what we were talking about branding earlier too. And the more places that you are, especially on those other sites, like the review sites, like YouTube, like tweets. I mean, those show up in the, in the organic search results. Then the more real estate your brand takes up and it, it definitely extends beyond your website in and of itself. So think about like, if someone did a Google search and you could, you could have your latest tweet, you could have your latest YouTube video, you could have your Facebook page ranking, you could have that G2 review ranking, and you could have your website ranking all on one Google result page. Like that is, that's really 
a bigger goal. Like that's a huge branding success. And why, like, why would you deny your business that opportunity? So one great area to grow and to look for opportunities is are the other websites that are ranking on Google outside of your own, like the review websites, like the listing websites and social media and things that are showing up, you know, are related to your industry and getting your site listed there. I mean, Wikipedia always comes up, the BBB always comes up, things like that, like get your profiles there too. And that only strengthens your business's overall presence on the search results page. The other area too are the the SERP features. So SERP features are like those little extra nuggets of information. So like if you Google something and then there's an answer right at that top box or your business's profile shows up on the right or there's a section where people also ask and then there's the map pack. Those are those are called SERP features because they're not part of the organic listings themselves. They are extras. And those are terrific SEO opportunities for, again, for you to just be present more on Google outside of your website proper, right? So there's a lot of ways to capture just more of the real estate (laughs) outside of your website. (laughs) Yeah, I'm interested. Like, could you dive deeper in the the SERP features things? Like, how do you, like, get featured there? Because I see that all the time. And that's one thing I've I've never like that dove into like how does one start like getting featured in those like SERP featured things on, mm-hmm. on Google and stuff like that? Yeah. So, and it depends on the SERP feature, your tactic there. So for example, the featured snippet, which is usually that box, like the answer box kind of at the top of Google that can come from you answering the specific question in your content. So if someone Googles, like, can I be put to sleep while I'm at the dentist? Because maybe they're very anxious. And you have an FAQ page that answers that question. Yes, we offer sedation and we understand people have anxiety and it's very common, but don't worry, you know, and they answer it directly in their content. Then Google can understand that here's a question and here's a direct answer. And then it features your snippet of answer at the top of Google. So there is also a lot of, power in using structured data markup or schema. And that is extra pieces of code that you put into the HTML code of your site. So there's some coding to it, but it's called structured data markup. And it's very, (laughs) once you understand what it is, it's actually very like aptly named. And you are literally telling the search engines, this is a star rating. This is my address. This is an author. I mean, you are labeling things so they don't have to guess. And that, and Google can interpret that and help show, they show you like in the map pack or show your uh, star ratings because they understand and they don't have to connect the dots. They can more easily interpret those extra bits of information and then help add that to the, um, when they list your website. So there's, Again, it depends on the feature. There's different tactics a little bit for each, but it's all part of the optimization nowadays. SERP features did not exist in 2006 when I started. So that's one of the bigger things that have changed. And I think a lot of them have changed through this pandemic too. Like we saw Google do a lot of updates to even Google My Business in releasing extra nuggets of information for people to stay safe and things like that. So it's interesting to see how they evolve to life in the world 
SEOs and website owners and business owners need to stay on top of that too. So you can kind of keep taking advantage of the extra ways to stay present on Google or Bing. (laughs) That's a great point. And also one thing I want to go into a little bit is like content is great, creating good content, but like, what about like, like structuring your website and having like your website tell a story and all that stuff. Like Mm -hmm. what, how do, what is the balance between like having content, like writing content that answers questions and then also having your website like flow, like it's a story to help like the buyer understand like what they're, they're on the site and keep them on the site. So like, what are like the two, like, cause I know there's a lot of like optimizing like content, but there's also optimizing structure of your website structure making Mm -hmm. sure like load time is is fast Mm -hmm. like all those little things that like people don't think about that could help you ring way faster and make your website more desirable for google yeah and the technical issues i don't know if anybody else can relate to this but to me for me as an seo the technical issues were always because they're kind of out of sight, they weren't the physical website that you're staring at. They were a little bit trickier to keep track of. And that's why when I was a marketer, I used SEMrush and I loved the site audit feature because it just kept those issues top of mind and things that you might not be thinking about in the day-to-day SEO um, that you should. So first you should do a, a technical site audit to just benchmark what issues are currently on the site. And that's going to give you a to-do list of what you can improve and change and update. But then like a site structure and from a storytelling standpoint, that you it comes a lot from testing, testing landing pages, testing navigational structure, testing URL structure, and testing you know calls to action and things like that, and testing it with your audience uh, because they're the ones that need to flow through the website and hear the story and consume the story and ultimately convert and be a part of your community. So a lot of that comes from, yeah, testing and implementing, which takes time and patience and data recording and note-taking and (laughs) troubleshooting and and all the other kind of aspects of being a digital marketer that don't get talked about all that often. I mean, we have to keep notes. I used to... Well, way back in the day, this is so funny. I used to print out every page of my websites, like my clients' websites, and I would circle like the words that I changed and I would underline where I put an internal link and I would make notes on the paper of like what other aspects I changed or something so I could keep track of the experiments that I was doing and relate that back to the results, you know, when it came time for reporting. And so you know, we have to keep track of those things because testing, especially on an audience flow level, I think is so important. And um, that conversion optimization piece is key in SEO. It's, you know, SEO has become more than just optimizing for rankings and it's optimizing for those conversions now too. So it's interesting how optimization in and of itself has changed as a job. So yeah, I would say test. <laughs> I have a one question about like, how does like community building like help SEO? Because like what I've seen lately, and this is just from me, like building a personal brand, but like building my audience on LinkedIn has like Daniel Murray is like a pretty competitive like name. Like, Mm -hmm. but since I've grown my LinkedIn presence, if you search Daniel Murray, my LinkedIn profile is now like the number one search result. So it's like, 
like building a community of like people coming to your social profile or now coming to your website becomes really key. So how has community building like evolved in this SEO landscape and become like critical to like helping your SEO? Well, and I think it's, so community building plays a part, but what you're describing is you're building your authority. So you're posting on trusted sites about very similar topics. So you're sticking to your your niche of digital marketing and producing content that is strong, that people are interacting with, and you're doing it consistently. So the search engines are taking in all of that as context. Now, the more you post on LinkedIn is not going to directly make your website rank higher in Google, but it's building you up as this author as this person speaking about digital marketing. So when somebody has a digital marketing question, it makes sense to show your answers because you are a source, you're a helpful source for this. Um, So that's how social media kind of ties in to this. It all, it's all full circle, you know, posting on YouTube, posting uh, tweets, they're not directly affecting your organic rankings. But again, they're building up how much more you are present in the search engines. It's also more context around your brand, whether that's a personal brand or a business brand. There's just more information about that brand coming from quality resources. And that helps build up your authority. Yeah, that makes total sense. Because I know that like some brands, like the way that they like have kind of not I would I don't like the word hack but they like they get like influencers and stuff like that to like start driving people to their websites and now their website becomes like more authoritative because people are visiting it a bunch because they've they've built like this outside brand or stuff so like I just mm-hmm. it's just so interesting now that like there's so many things that could affect like things driven to a website than before like like Google is one part of the puzzle, but like mm-hmm. there's also winning before people even get to like that search engine the where like social, where social media comes into play, where all these things is winning before they even get to that search engine. Um, yeah, 100%. And I would also say, you know, if more traffic to your website was the goal, then great. You accomplished that with all of the people referring more traffic, but I don't know any business that stayed alive based on traffic to their website. <laughs> it, it has to still be quality referrals and end up being conversions to, to sustain a business. So just keep that in mind if you're thinking about bringing in affiliates or bringing in influencers is that they need to align and be an extension of your goal um, in order for that success to be attributed to it or that or for them to be attributed to the success of, of that or for them to attribute anything because just more traffic, yeah, doesn't necessarily pay the bills. So, <laughs> Yeah, that's actually a funny conversation too to have is like, like traffic is such a, a vanity feel-good metric, but like like even like we talked about earlier about like these long tail if you're answering questions and you're converting and you, your revenue is going up at the end of the day like nobody's gonna like ask about your traffic they only start asking about your traffic is when you're you're not producing any revenue like they started saying like oh what's right. wrong at the top of the funnel is there something going right. on there if you have like average traffic and you're converting very well like who cares at the end of the day but like what you said like traffic is like 
shouldn't be like the goal metric. And that goes into my question. Like, what are some metrics you look at to make sure like SEO is, is, is going well and like tracking well and making sure like it's doing what you do, doing the things that you're telling it to do basically. Yeah. And here we go with our first, it depends our first SEO. It depends answer of the, of our conversation today but it really does depend on what your goals are. Like we were just saying, and in a lot of cases, more, more of X doesn't necessarily mean something as a success. Less can sometimes be better and you should aim for quality. Now I think more traffic in the beginning of an SEO campaign or PPC campaign or social media campaign, whatever is a great metric to look at for like, okay, the momentum has kicked off. You don't want to ignore a growth in traffic, but you have to set these actual measurable KPIs in the beginning and accomplish and work to accomplish those goals. And then, and those can change, those can be fluid, but also make sure that you're communicating that to those who need to hear it. So don't just report on numbers, be an educator on why you're shifting gears, changing goals, or reporting on something different and know that it's okay. If your goal this quarter is to just get more eyeballs on your website, then yes, track your traffic and aim for more eyeballs. But if your goal and then Q2 is to convert those people, then there's a different set of KPIs you need to set and decide on at the beginning before you start moving forward. We talked about this in the beginning, like SEO is a much slower process. So you know, track, I, I tend to track things like on a quarterly basis with SEO related metrics only because I know things happen, (laughs) pandemics kick in and, you know, we've learned like user behaviors shift in, in a blink of an eye these days and month over month, isn't always necessarily a clear picture of what's happening and year over year, I think pretty much everyone is going to write 2020 off as far as their traffic or KPIs go, because it was such a strange year. It's impossible to like normalize that data, I think. And starting 2021 off kind of in the same boat here, but you know, it's just keep, you got to keep the context in mind and keep your goals in mind and track KPIs that make sense around that goal and not just it doesn't have to be the standard. And then also just keep in mind, like I said before, more isn't necessarily better. So that's why you have to understand the full picture, because if your traffic drops, you need to understand, well, we did this big campaign where we are now focusing on long tail keywords and our traffic dropped, but our conversions skyrocketed. You got to look at the full picture. So that would be my advice there. Yeah, that's great advice. And I wanted to go into like why it's important to have like something like SEMrush to be able to do SEO, like why is it important to have like a tool like this to be able to start tracking your SEO and making sure like you're doing the right type of actions and changes? (laughs) Well, because SEO is complicated. SEO is complicated and dynamic and there are a lot of moving parts. If you, the SEO, can keep track of all of those tidbits on your own, then please message me on Twitter. I would love to meet you. (laughs) It's a lot to, it's a lot to keep track of. And especially if you're in an agency standpoint too, and now you are keeping track of these things from more than one or two websites, then an organizational tool and something that can check things like technical issues in the background without you having to do it on your own, something that can 
streamline your work process. I mean, who wouldn't want that? A tool where you can get more than one data. Like what's really neat about SEMrush too is that it syncs up with Google Analytics and it syncs up with Google Search Console. So now you've gone from having three additional tabs in your browser which if you have less than 20 tabs open, again, please message me on Twitter because I would love to meet you. I don't know how (laughs) any human in this day and age has less than 20 tabs open on their computer. But because SEMrush pulls in the standard data, the most commonly used data, now you've gone from three tabs to one. You've got all of your data in one tool plus our data. So it enhances your ability to see big picture. It helps you track your client's progress. It helps you tell you what to do. It helps you, you know, research. It helps optimize content and any help we can get in our busy day in life, I think is welcome. (laughs) That is so true. I think like, that's what I love about like technology these days. It's like Mm -hmm. made things so easy to do. Like a tool like this, I bet you were dreaming about when you you started your SEO journey, and now it's like it's become like it, it's it's made the landscape more competitive because every, a lot of people have these resources. But it's also made what I like about it is now you can start creating content for like the user. You get to understand them better. You get to make your site. It, it becomes fun now. Like it becomes like a game, which is pretty cool to see one thing i want to ask you before we wrap up is like what are the like common things people are doing wrong with seo or marketers doing wrong in general yeah and my answer for this is not related to the actual optimization process i continue to see and hear questions so i run the semrush twitter chat too so i'm very active in our community and we love being a part of the community so we see a lot of conversations around that the digital marketing industry in general. And what I continue to see people vent about or, you know, <laughs> you know, just need to get off their chest is giving into the client's unrealistic or unattainable or uneducated requests. C- continuing to give into those because of the fear of losing the client, you know, they don't want to lose that money or they like the client and they don't want to lose that relationship. So they feel like, they want to be friends with that person and they and they want to give in, but it's a slippery slope. And I've worked for agencies most of my career. And we have, but we have to stop letting th- like their justifications and assumptions and their research without context put us, the marketers, in situations where success is not achievable or it's not the right fit for that client. Because I've had clients pose to me strategies or keywords or something that just don't match up with their goals or don't match up with their industry or what their audience needs. And you have to have conversations about that. Expectation setting is one of the hardest parts of this job. And there is a huge fear, like I said, of like losing that client, but we have, but there's a threshold, right? Or letting that client who can't be reasoned with go, go be somebody else's conversation is sometimes what has to happen in order to benefit our business and strengthening our expectations, setting skills as marketers is only going to strengthen your business overall too. So that's, I honestly would say like, that's one of the biggest issues we're up against is because there's so much information about SEO People who are looking into it can Google it and then they don't understand context behind what they're reading and then they want 
they want to pursue paths that aren't going to help them succeed. And then success is hindered. So I think that's one of our biggest hurdles still to this day. Yeah. And I think also this becomes like new marketers who go into new company and the SEO doesn't understand like marketing and there's unrealistic goals of like going viral and getting 25,000 followers on Twitter and four weeks and stuff like that like crazy expectation but this has been great thank you so much for joining i want to leave some time for you to see where people could find you where they can join your your twitter chat all those good (laughs) things like anything you want to plug right now it's your time yeah, join Sumrush on Twitter. We tweet uh, a lot, uh, thanks to myself and our awesome social media team. And we're always wanting to post tips and tidbits about SEO a lot. And that's a really fun part of my job is because I was brought on because of my SEO background, but then I get to talk and educate people and be a part of the community and have those conversations. So you can find us, the company, Sumrush, it's at Sumrush on Twitter and LinkedIn and Instagram. And you can find me at Diana Rich 13 I'm also tweeting a lot. I tweet a lot about SEO, but I also tweet a lot about food. I did a lot of cooking this past weekend and wine. <laughs> <laughs> and then I host every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern time, we have our Twitter chat, which is hashtag SEMrush chat. And every week the topic is something different. So it's really fun coming up with those topics. And we have a guest that we get to learn from and we get to hear all of our great marketers input on these different topics. So it's never a stale conversation. It's always really fun. So if you can, if you can join us, put it on your calendar. It's every Wednesday again at 11 a.m. Eastern. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm going to put that on my calendar right now because I want, I love Twitter chats and I, I think they are actually an underrated way to grow your community and audience on Twitter is joining these things like that. So I highly suggest any marketer, you if you want to learn or yes. start growing your audience or just build community, join Samrush chat or any Twitter chat that is out there. Um, but thank you so much for joining. Yeah. Please follow Samrush and all the the links that you just got right there because she puts out great content and I'm, I'm following her. So <laughs> thank you so much for joining the show. And I can't wait to have this episode live. Yeah. Thanks for the awesome podcast. So if anyone's listening for the first time on this podcast, make sure you're following Daniel too, because it's a really fun and everything. Every episode's a little different too with your podcast. So it's really cool to hear from other industry folks about digital marketing kind of in general. And it's been interesting hearing um, your journey through the podcast too. So thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Bye.